This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. Along with Jeremy Poplin, I'm Colby Daniels, and we are going to say hello to John Holcomb joining us from Manhattan, Kansas, as we get ready at 5 o'clock to send you to pregame coverage of Oklahoma State's matchup with Kansas State. Tip-off at 6 o'clock right here on your home for Cowboy Hoops in Tulsa, the Blitz 1170. John, how are you, my friend, and how is Manhattan treating you? Well, it's uh, the weather's nice here. It kind of can get dicey around this time of the year up here where you're dealing with uh, sideways blowing snow, sleet, and everything else. But uh, not not bad. Not bad right now. As we sit inside Bramlage Coliseum and the first player out on the floor already working on his shooting drills, Marquise Noel from oh, Kansas State. He's been out here oh. for about 15 minutes. So he the Cowboys can... aren't quite here yet. So he's the guy. He can really light it up. I'm I'm ready to hear your thoughts on Musa Cisse when he ultimately takes the floor because last night, as we were getting ready for the national championship of college football, there was a big question mark about Darnell Washington and whether he would play for Georgia. And simultaneously, two national college football reporters took pictures of Darnell Washington on the field, both tweeted completely opposite reports. One was... Darnell Washington looks great, is moving with ease, would be shocked if he didn't play. The other one is Darnell Washington is not moving with ease, seems to be struggling. So um, I, I'm curious if we can maybe get a couple of reports on Musa Cisse this afternoon, what that might look like. Well, I saw your social media uh, glory yesterday with that. I found that very funny. And it's uh, also rather ironic we go from the shortest guy participating in tonight's game to talking about the tallest guy who may or may not participate in the game tonight. So since you asked me, the first answer I will give you is Musa Cisse really wants to play tonight and <laughs> could be uh, very important for the Cowboys to, um, to have uh, some success here in Lawrence against a red-hot team. Musa Cisse uh, has has improved over the last few days. Now, ask me again about Musa Cisse. So you're saying there's a chance. What's the status well, of Musa Cisse? About, <laughs> yeah, if you're asking me about Musa Cisse, I'm going to tell you that uh, at this point, it it doesn't look um, <laughs> as solid that it's that he's going to be able to go. <laughs> All right, I think we've covered this appropriately, or at least the way that college football covers the national championship in all seriousness though in terms of just the matchup itself with Kansas State clearly he's he's a dominant force for the Cowboys and they are a better team with him than without him what does he mean to this specific matchup if he were to go or if he weren't able to go well I think that as much as anything else um just the impact of the way that Kansas State likes to attack on the offensive end. They're not shy about shooting it quickly. They're not shy about getting all the way to the rim. They're not shy about attacking off of not just missed shots but makes. They'll push it down the floor. That's one reason why they beat Texas and Austin, scored 116 points on them last week. Um, and his ability, his athleticism really is probably the, uh, the biggest thing that the Cowboys would benefit from tonight against a team like this. Now, also, that said, if it becomes a track meet, then we all know that it kind of negates big men to a certain degree. But his athleticism, being able to run the floor, would help him still be somewhat of a factor tonight. 
I think the most interesting thing, regardless of whether Cissé is able to play any significant minutes or not, is what can this OSU defense do to slow down Kansas State? Because you can make the argument that this is that OSU will be the best defensive team that, that the uh, Wildcats have played so far this season. And, you know, listen, the, the defensive effort against Texas Saturday wasn't the issue. You hold Texas to 56 points, you block 12 shots, it was your offense was not able to keep pace with things and just really hit some some bad stretches in the second half. So I, I'm interested to see defensively what OSU can do to slow down Kansas State a little bit. I mean, teams that can run like they can, um, they're going to run most of the time, but it's hard for a team that likes to run to have success against everybody on their schedule, and I think OSU could be one of those few teams on their schedule and I know I'm talking about the Big 12 and all these really good teams, but OSU could be one of those teams that all of a sudden Kansas State doesn't hit two or three shots in a row to get going at that high tempo. And now what does it look like for them? John, on excuse me, on the offensive side, I would have to say that um, consistency has been a key uh, element for them offensively. We were talking about this earlier with Jacob Unruh, and his point was, yeah, they still have these stretches. It's not as bad as it used to be where they can't they struggle to find a way to score. Uh, it is getting a little bit better, but there's still it's not quite to the level that Boynton would expect them to be right now at this point in the season. No, they started sharing the basketball better, and you know that started with that last non-conference game before. Uh, the end of December when we against Texas A&M Corpus Christi, but it extended as well to the way they played in Lawrence. They shared it really well and made some tough shots. And by the way, I'm, I'm climbing the stairs to get to the top of Bramlett's because I can just hear the music. It's going to go to 11 any time now, <laughs> and you're going to have a harder time hearing me. So it's a little out of breath than just remember the times I wasn't out of breath and celebrate those. I mean, it's a long way up here. Anyway, um, they're, they're, sh- <laughs> they're sharing the ball better. There's no question about that. The, uh, the problem that they ran into, especially against Texas, was the foul trouble to Avery Anderson and Bryce Thompson. And with the way Texas was playing defense, you know, that was a bad combination. Okay, I've caught my breath. So... You cannot have, especially in a game like tonight, you can't have both of those guys having to sit part of the first half in foul trouble. They've got to be smarter on the defensive end. If this does become a game like we've seen Kansas State play recently, um, where can you maybe look for some added uh, offensive firepower from Oklahoma State outside of, like you said, Avery Anderson and and Bryce Thompson? Well, if it gets going too fast, what does that look like for Caleb Boone in the low post? Because that's more of a you get set in your half court and you get it to Caleb. And just like I thought, it's going to 11, so I'm going out here in the lobby. <laughs> so, so, so what happens to Caleb Boone's effectiveness if this is a high-tempo game? If you can still run some half-court sets, then yes, that's one way you can calm things down that you dump it inside and force Kansas State to have to decide whether they're going to double-team or not. But outside of that, you've got to have some points from John Michael Wright. 
you know, Texas did such a good job defensively Saturday. They really negated his effectiveness. And let's give Texas some credit with what it looked like and just know that that first practice Texas had after they gave up 116 to this Kansas State team, the first practice after that, they went for two hours before they even touched a basketball. It was all defense that next day, and it showed on Saturday. So John Michael Wright's got to be a factor, and Caleb Asbury, who's been shooting the three pretty well, is going to have to knock some of those down. Playing the point guard role in a game like this, it's so important to have patience because I, I, I it, it can be very tempting when a team is scoring that quickly and then you see your opportunity to get it back to play right into what, what, you, what they want you to play into. Yes, and that would be one of the concerns that even though he's a senior, you know what Avery Anderson does best is when he's going at a fast pace. And he did it all through high school. He's had to learn how to play at different paces during a game. And he talked about that when he was a freshman, about how valuable it was practicing against Isaac Likely. Because you remember, Ice's game was a little more about the stop and start, you know, and, and slowing it down when it needed to be slowed down. And then you look at the way Avery played off of Cade Cunningham. I mean, Cade wasn't playing with his hair on fire the whole time. Understanding those that pace, you know, the, the, the danger for Avery would be that he's quick enough to answer whatever Kansas State's doing in a fast pace, but he's just as likely sometimes to go too fast, and that's when the problems can take place. Is there any added urgency that you can sense with this game and obviously a tough conference schedule no matter who you're facing, home or away, but you don't want to fall too far behind uh, in the early stages of this conference schedule. No, you really don't. And this one would be a, you know, we talk about this all the time in the Big 12, another great opportunity. I mean, you look at Kansas State's 14-1, and they're unbeaten in the league, and they're number 11 in the net rankings. And the Cowboys come in sitting at number 42, which is still really good. But, yeah, you don't want to go through this week. I, you know, I know you take one game at a time, but you've got two road games here, tonight and then Saturday in Waco against Baylor. You'd feel pretty good about yourself if you were able to get a split here. You'd feel great if you're able to sweep. But tonight seems to be, right now, the tougher of the two matchups. But then there's also this, you know, Dave and I have talked about this coming in. And, yeah, there are two different teams, two different kinds of makeup, but if you remember back, I think it was 2010, and the Cowboys came down here for a Saturday afternoon game, or came up here for a Saturday afternoon game. And that was the Denny Clemente, Jacob Poland, Kansas State team that was really, really good. And they were rolling that year. And OSU was kind of floundering a little bit. And they came in. They ended up playing a 1-3-1 half-court zone kind of trap they threw Kansas State out of rhythm a little bit and uh, Nick Sidorkas Jr. ended up with a tremendous steal behind the back save late in that game and the Cowboys came out of here with one of the more improbable wins of the previous few seasons on that can you duplicate something like that the argument could be made that for a team that was picked to finish last and by a pretty good margin in the Big 12 to be sitting here at 14 and 1 and 3 and 0 the belief is there but what they've built a lot of it on is scoring a lot of points. Sometimes the ball doesn't go in the basket even when you have good looks. And then what do you do? If they, have, if, if they struggle to shoot a little bit tonight, then I think the Cowboys could be in good position to pull the upset.
Record aside, are they are they as as good as as maybe the narrative is around them? I, I've heard people even throw out maybe the best team in the conference. You know, it's funny because you you watch them and you watch what they did to Texas. You watch what they were able to do down in Waco. A pretty emotional win for Jerome Tang, the first year head coach here, who was the longtime assistant for Scott Drew at Baylor. His players knew what that meant to him. They're playing with a lot of confidence, but. You know, you talk to some people, especially people at West Virginia. I think I may have mentioned this to you the other day, Colby, that uh, that one of the people inside the West Virginia program was like, you know, look, they're good, but they're just red hot right now. I don't know yeah. how good they really are. So games like tonight, when they play a team that, as long as the Cowboys bring the defense that they've had for almost every game this season – to see Kansas State go up against that defense, that you know, this this will this will tell a, a little bit more about the story of of just exactly who Kansas State is. Boy, they do share the basketball incredibly well, though, John. God, that that is a big key. Pop, that's a huge key, and uh, you know, I, I'm I'm also interested though in one how the game's going to be called because two Saturdays ago you came off of, you know, games where, well, OSU had lost at Kansas. And, you know, there's no whistle at the end of that one when Bryce Thompson broke free on the inbounds. There were there's some other in- examples of maybe where fouls should have been called. And, and I thought it was interesting that the uh, coordinator of officials in the Big 12, Curtis Shaw, was at OSU's game with West Virginia in Stillwater last Monday, last week. And, you know, th- listen, there's communication between – the lead guy and the officials a lot. And so whether it's just perceived or whether it's reality that things may have been said, Hey, look, you need to tighten up here or there. You think about how many fouls were called in that game last Monday. And okay. Yes. West Virginia does foul a lot. So there's going to be, they're going to challenge you to blow the whistle. But if this game is called, in a way that allows the Cowboys to play defense and you don't have a couple of guys on the bench that you can't afford to have on the bench, then let's see how much of a flow Kansas State gets in if the Cowboys can get them into enough half-court sets to be able to see what they can do. John, I appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for uh, taking time for us. Thanks for catching your breath and uh, finishing strong the way that we all knew you would. Hey, John. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to have a third win, Pop, but I, at least I got to the second one. Hey, John, before you go, I got a dad joke for you if you want it. Oh, please. Please do. Why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? Why is that? In case they get a hole in one. <laughs> oh, that's, hey, keep bringing them. Keep bringing them. I am going to go. I'm going to descend now from the top of Bramlage, which is the only which you can get out anywhere around the top of Bramlage. But if you're down on the floor, there's only one way out, fellas. And I've got it scouted. <laughs> awesome. That is John Holcomb joining us from Manhattan, Kansas, getting ready for the call tonight. Oklahoma State, Kansas State. Pre-game at 5 o'clock right here on the Blitz 1170, tip-off at 6. And we will remember a time where John Holcomb had more air in the lungs. Good stuff. Uh, Pop, anything else before I let you go as well? I don't believe so. I think we're, uh, think we're all good. Might uh, be a basketball night for me, for sure, since we're in a little bit of a uh, football drought until we get to this weekend.
Very nice. We'll talk about it all tomorrow on the Blitz Mix once again. That is Jeremy Poplin. I'm Colby Daniels. Matt Hubbard on the other side of the glass. We will take a timeout, and we're back in a moment here on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.